the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 52. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God Yes Yes And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ. 
can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm while you have choice to make in life turn away from all your sin Amen. and believe on the risen Christ yes. you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come shelter from the coming storm he's the only shelter from the coming storm welcome to pilgrim's progress i'm pastor ray from the national prayer chapel several years ago i was very much blessed to be able to go to Israel. We were lodged in Tiberias, right on the Sea of Galilee. And over the coming days, as we toured that portion, my heart became more and more lonely, more and more discouraged, depressed, And I finally said to one of the other men who was on this trip, a friend, I said, I wish I had not come. He said, why? I said, because everywhere I look, I want to see Jesus. And Jesus has walked away. He's not here anymore. I saw the people going about their business, making money, enjoying their life. It's particularly difficult in parts of that area where it was just party time. Went out on the Sea of Galilee and there are little boats, actually pretty good sized boats. That was depressing for me as well because Jesus wasn't there. Jesus had walked away. He'd left them. And it was though he had never been there. I want to share a story. Jesus came out of the battle with the devil and defeated him. And then he went into Galilee, and there he was teaching in the cities, in the towns, in the villages. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. Everything was a buzz and a stir. And then Jesus made the decision to go back home, 
to go to Nazareth. Now, I have to tell you that Nazareth was my least, the lowest of my interest. I didn't like the town. It was a dirty, grimy work town. It was, there was nothing pretty about it. It wasn't gussied up in any way. And that was fine. It's just what it was. Well, he went to Nazareth and he went directly to the place that I also wanted to go and that was the synagogue where he read the scriptures. Isaiah. When I when I looked, the synagogue is gone, but the foundation is there. Some of the remains are there. I remember going in that synagogue. There the chair of Moses was, where probably Jesus taught from that chair of Moses after he had stood to read the scriptures. I sat in the chair. And all I could do was weep. Because Jesus had walked away from Nazareth. Oh, he had good reason. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read because he was he was the local boy who had come home after many exploits had been talked about across all of Galilee. He stood up and he read from the scroll of Isaiah. And then he he read it and he sat down in the seat of Moses. This is what the scripture said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm reading from the literal translation of Pastor Lavender. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because of which he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To remember his beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. His primary task, according to this scripture, was to preach to the poor. Now, it could be poor financially, but it's not all-inclusive. The, the word poor means without the ability to change your situation. Without an ability to change your situation. I'm, I'm right now a poor man. I can't change my situation. Jesus has come to preach to the poor. To speak life into us to speak hope 
into us. There is no hope anywhere outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you don't like that. You find your hope in the television. You find your hope in the internet. You find your hope in your cell phone. You find your hope in what you think you know about all the electronics and you love to talk about it. Some of you have your hopes set on what you know. I have my hopes set on only one person. His name is Jesus. And I've titled this broadcast today, Please Jesus, do not, do not walk away from me. There are several times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, where Jesus either walks away or he almost walks away. I don't, I need Jesus too much to allow any casualness of my heart to let Jesus just walk away from me. He continues, he has sent me to restore the ones having been broken in heart. Some of you carry great sorrow in your heart because your wife is dying or your husband is dying or a child has died. A child dying will often cause a man to walk away from Jesus, but it will never cause Jesus to walk away from you. I really struggled when my late wife passed with cancer. I struggled because it felt like Jesus walked away from me. I know now he didn't walk away. I walked away in my pain and anguish. He has sent me to restore the ones having been broken in heart. I have a special love today for those who have a broken heart. It seems as though you've lost everything. You don't know how to go on. People you love have rejected you. You have been left alone. I know in my, in my life I have a couple of men that I loved with all of my heart as brothers in Jesus. Those men walked away. It was a great grief to my heart their judgments, their human arguments, their defensiveness, their pride. But I don't hold it against them. I've forgiven 
but it broke my heart and still breaks my heart. A broken heart is like a sickness in the body. Jesus came to restore the ones having had a broken heart. And Jesus has done that for me. It's been humbling, but he's done that for me. I've learned that I'm pushy, demanding. I don't like that. I don't, I don't think I am. No, of course not, but others do. And that's caused my heart pain. And it's caused me to reevaluate and to change and to let Jesus order my steps. And then it says to proclaim deliverance for the captives. I'm reading to you from Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 18. To proclaim deliverance for the captives. This word, uh, captives. Well, let me give you a a meaning. This is in Luke, the fourth chapter, in verse 18. A state of captivity by someone more powerful than we using a spear point that if we try to escape, he will kill us. And we, in our captivity to sin, stand helpless apart from the needed work of the Holy Spirit to free us from sin. So Jesus came to proclaim deliverance for the captives to sin. Captive to drugs or alcohol or some other addiction. Every addiction involves a demonic spirit. And only Jesus can remove the spear from our back and set us free. He continues, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for the recovery of sight so that we're not blind anymore. We can see, we can see our deliverer We're no longer blind. I love to encourage blind people to pray. Because over and over in the scriptures, Jesus touches the blind and restores their sight. Blind Bartimaeus. We'll probably talk about him next week. 
blind Bartimaeus would not stop shouting for Jesus when he heard that Jesus was passing by. He did not want Jesus to pass him by. He did not want Jesus to leave him. So all he could do is cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, I like blind Bartimaeus. I feel like a brother. To send forth the one having been downtrodden with, with deliverance. Probably the most difficult of all things to get through in life is when a brother stomps us into the earth. I remember one man. He was the elder brother, but he always felt that his younger brother had the advantage. Always felt that the elder brother was the disadvantaged one. And in some ways it was true. The older brother was not as business savvy or as smart as the younger brother. And I watched through the years as the battle for supremacy went on between these two men. One man struggling to gain the supremacy and the other man treating him very lightly. Not, not fighting with him at all. downtrodden, smashed down. Both men have now passed into the eternity of heaven. Both men were followers of Jesus, but not very, not very profitable men of God. Because of this downtrodden issue. I'm very happy to say to you, my brothers have, have not downtrodden me. They're older than I am, but they have respect for me, for my prayer life. They think I'm foolish for not going to a doctor now, but that's okay. They've thought I was foolish before. But it's Jesus who has to come and remove that downtrodden bitterness that can grow in a man's heart. I'm very grateful that I don't have any of that in my heart. And that my brothers are not guilty of that. If you see in your family that bitterness of someone being downtrodden, Jesus would be very pleased with you if you work that out, whatever it costs you. It's almost impossible for a man to get through on his own. That bitterness grows over the years. It happens in daughters too. I've seen families where a daughter will feel utterly downtrodden and cast out, considered to be Worthless. But 
it's very important that we bring these issues to Jesus. (laughs) And then it closes with to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, Jesus rolls the scroll up and he hands it back to the attendant who will take it to the case. He sits down in the chair of Moses and he goes through what I've just shared with you. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fixed on him. I mean, they know it's a very explosive time in the synagogue and no one wanted to miss it. Everybody's eyes are fixed on him. What will he say that will enrage this despicable little town? He began to say to them, Today this scripture stands fulfilled in your ears. Now everybody knew that this scripture was the messianic scripture. And that Jesus saying this, he's saying, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. They were all confirming him, wondering at the words of grace coming out of his mouth. And yet there was an edge there. They were saying, is not this the son of Joseph? Joseph is gone by now. He said to them, you will probably tell me this proverb, physician, heal yourself as much as we heard having happened in Capernaum. Do also here in your hometown. In other words, put on a show for us. Prove to us who you say you are. Prove to us you're the Messiah. Well, that doesn't get very far with Jesus. Jesus is not into proving anything to anybody. He is the creator God of heaven and earth. He said to them, you'll probably tell me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. As much as we heard happening in Capernaum, do also here in your hometown. Don't leave us out of the show, Jesus. There was resentment there. There was anger and bitterness toward Jesus. Who do you think you are, Jesus? You're just a small town boy. You're nothing. Who do you think you are going out and pretending you're somebody and then telling us that you're the Messiah? You're not the Messiah, Jesus. He said to them, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I say to you, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three three years and six months. A great famine came upon all of the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them except a woman in Zarephath, a heathen town, an ungodly town. And to a woman who was a widow, 
they get mad. Because he's now questioning their being worthy of having Elijah come to even their town. Instead, Elijah is sent to a pagan town, Jezebel's home area. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. The Syrians, a conquering force against Israel. Oh, now they're getting very, very upset. Everyone in the synagogue hearing these things became filled with wrath, anger. He has insulted them twice. Actually, he hasn't insulted them. He sent to them a very straight word of judgment that they should repent for their sin. But they leaped to their feet and they grabbed Jesus And they begin to walk him out from the city. I've taken that walk. They lead him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built to throw him down the cliff. I stood and then sat with my legs hanging over, perhaps a 500 foot drop to the rocks below. They wanted to kill him. They would not accept him as homeboy Messiah. Their pride was too great. So they determined to kill Jesus. Let's not let this shame go any further. Let's kill him. They were enraged. They didn't like what he'd said to them. Now listen, but he having gone through the midst was going away. Why didn't somebody in town cry out and say, no, Jesus, don't leave us. Please don't leave us. We have people here who need your healing power. We have, we have broken families here. We have poor families here. We need you, Jesus. Don't walk away from us, please. They tried to throw him off the cliff, but they couldn't. They grabbed at him, but their hands only grabbed air. And with his disciples, he walked out of town untouched you know I think of of all the people that I've known who have walked away from Jesus but I have to tell you I also know many times when Jesus has just walked away from people because of their bitterness, 
their violence, their anger. I've watched Jesus walk away from whole churches and Ichabod is set over the entire congregation and they're not a church anymore. They're just a a social group who follows certain rituals that are called Christian, but they're not of Jesus. And I want to tell you right now, pastor, if you pastor a church where the congregation just wants the sub the social life. And Jesus is no longer in your church. Maybe a kundalini spirit, but not Jesus. He's removed the lampstand from your church. Would you get on your face? And would you call your elders to get on their faces with you? And would you begin to cry out and ask Jesus if he would come back? I see churches being consumed by wokeism, by homosexuality, by the liberal teaching of tolerance. I see churches being destroyed by the modern principles of liberalism and humanism. Would you get on your face? Would you begin to plead with Jesus to not leave you? But to remain with you, I urge you to read the first letters including Laodicea, found in the book of Revelation. The threat is, if you don't change, I will leave and I will take the lampstand from your church. I will remove the Holy Spirit and then an unclean spirit will come in and your church will be full of bickering and anger. It will become a social center. Oh, my brother, my sister, I can't think of anything worse than you walking away from Jesus or Jesus walking away from you. Now I found in scripture, in the book of Mark, Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village He didn't let this stop him or dissuade him. Calling the twelve to him, he then sent them out two by two. This is right after what's happened in his hometown. He called the twelve to him and he sent them out two by two and he gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey 
except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet, and when you leave as a testimony against them. And they went out and preached that people should repent. This is the apostles. They went out and they began to preach in all of the homes, in the streets, crying out, Repent. They drove out many demons. They anointed many sick people with oil. And they healed them. Jesus doesn't want to leave you. And the only way he will leave you is if you drive him away. How do you drive Jesus away? By refusing to repent. By having your heart filled with pride and arrogance. Casualness. I didn't want to say this today. But I need to. There is such a lack of devotion to Jesus in America, in our churches, perhaps in you. There's such a lack of devotion, such a lack of passion. You're casual. Everything's cool. You know that's not true. you know you're facing very hard times. But there's a, a coolness, a casualness, a, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm doing all right. But you're not. I have to tell you, I'm not doing all right. All is not well with me. I'm still living with a lot of pain physical pain from the fall. People are calling me on the phone and saying, Pastor, you've got to go to a doctor. I, I love them for their concern and passion. I know that only Jesus Christ can step into my life and deliver me and put back together the, the pieces of my hip And you know what? What's causing me such heartburn is the professional American Christian who can sit down and watch anything they want on television. They can watch a Marvel movie. They can sit down and watch every unclean thing. 
They're good to go. They're casual. They're laid back. Well, let's go after this entertainment. Let's go after that. Let's work. Let's make money. But without any seriousness, without any piety. Do you know what piety is? Piety is when you get filled with the scriptures and you become convicted with the Holy Spirit and you begin to act in righteous and holy ways and the tears flow from your eyes because you see how you've been so casual and so hard-hearted and how you have not given yourself over to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, Lord, Is this what it takes for me? Broken bones. Is that what it takes to get me serious with you, Jesus? Then do it. If you notice in this broadcast, I don't apologize for this. But I'm not sugarcoating anything. Most people I know are not serious about Jesus, but they're very serious about calling themselves Christians. But when I talk with them, they don't want to talk about Jesus, except perhaps in some intellectual way. Oh, pastor, we're Christians. Many people, they they don't know that Jesus is about to leave them. He's about to walk away from them. He's about to leave and you will suffer the absence of the most precious companion in the world. And the Holy Spirit will depart with them. And you will be left in your ritualism and in your intellectual understanding and in your knowledge. But there will be no power of the Holy Spirit in you. There will be no weeping before God and saying, please don't leave me. I tell you, the most important prayer you can pray is Jesus, please, please don't leave me. I need you, Jesus. Don't leave me. Take me out of my foolishness. Take me out of all of my false knowledge. Take me out of my love of the world. Remove me, oh God, remove me. Remove my heart from the lust for this world, the entertainment. What the world considers valuable, Jesus considers to be detestable before him. Almighty God, I come to cry out before you. And my prayer is simply this, Jesus. Please don't leave me. 
I have no hope without you, Jesus. I have no power without you, Jesus. There's no joy in my heart without you, Jesus. There's no life in my body without you, Jesus. Lord, I prayed. And I said, please break me, Jesus. And you promptly did that. And you're working wonderful changes in my spirit, reminding me of things that I have left undone that need to be taken care of. People that I've not been fair to. Oh, Lord. Please continue to do your work in my heart and prepare me for the work of the gospel that you have ahead in revival in America. But Lord, I plead, don't leave me and don't leave your people. Do whatever is necessary in our hearts and in our lives. Don't leave us, Jesus. Don't leave us. Don't leave us to our intellectualism. Don't leave us to our religious rituals. Don't leave us to the to the calendar of events. Lord, don't leave us in our hurt and bitterness and anger. Don't leave us in our loneliness, in our separation from family or friends. Jesus, please don't leave us. Jesus, please come and minister to our broken hearts to our downtrodden spirits. Lord, we're poor. We're held captive. Lord, don't leave us. Jesus, we're not going to argue with you. We're going to simply confess our desperate need for you, Jesus, right now in our lives right now. We need you, Jesus. We need you to come and minister to our brokenness. Minister to our arrogance and our pride and our self-centeredness. Minister to our selfishness. Lord, minister to us, please. Change us, equip us, whatever it takes, Jesus. Perform those wonderful works of grace in our hearts where we can see and understand that your blood washed away our sin, that we are released from the captivity of sin by your precious blood. Let us see, Jesus, our desperate need to just be serious with you, to cry aloud to you, to stop playing games with the devil, to be set free, Jesus. 
come in the name of Jesus by your blood. Amen. Well, you've been listening today to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. It's been a rough week, but that's okay. I don't mind. I don't complain. It's been a week of Jesus revealing new depths in my heart that have to be cleansed and washed and changed. He's been putting real love and compassion in my heart for the lost. Some of you are just concerned about so much. Your house, your car, your family, your friends. You're concerned about your lifestyle. But that concern has not reached to the heart of Jesus. Please understand, Jesus will walk away from you. Jesus is not a pushover. He's not a Santa Claus. He's not a a sugar daddy. He disciplines. So toughen up. Ask him to do whatever he has to do to put your life on the right path. It's almost time to go to heaven. We're going to see all kinds of brutal destruction in our nation in the coming days and weeks. I tell you what, you better be ready. Jesus is coming. But right now, your greatest concern should not be the coming of Jesus. Your greatest concern should be Jesus leaving you. Because you have rejected him. Year after year, you've been satisfied to live a cultural American life. Enjoying your money, your travel, enjoying your luxuries of life. If Jesus makes the decision that you've had your heaven here and you do not have a heaven coming, he will walk away from you and you will be left empty. That's my concern. I pray for you. I cry to God for you. I see little change. Jesus loves you. He did not want to walk away from that dirty little town of Nazareth. But he did. He walked away. Please, I'd like to hear from you. If you believe these messages need to go across America, 
I have to tell you, they're not very popular. And that's okay. I'm not doing this for popularity. But I do need your help to make it possible to do this as Jesus moves and convicts in your heart. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Our dear brother Ed Pugh does such a super job with that page. Go check it out if you haven't nationalprayerchapel.com and also you can give online and I want to thank each of you who's been doing so every time I see that someone has given online or has sent a letter my heart leaps with joy because it means Jesus is moving so God bless you my brother my sister I love you I'd like to meet you personally. Talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.